Father, there are a lot of emotions running within our nation this week. There are emotions of anger. There are emotions of, of sadness. There are people who are grieving for lost ones. God, we pray that you would walk with us in everything that we are feeling. We pray that you would be with those who have lost a loved one in the tragedy that happened in our capital. We pray, God, that you would fill them with your presence, that you'd give them a sense of peace in a time that doesn't make any sense. God, for those that are angry, we pray that you bring calm. We pray that you bring an end to violence of all kind, of all way, shape, manner, and form throughout this country and the world, Lord, because that is not your desire. You desire peace, Lord, and you have told us that when we come before you and come and lay at your feet, we can receive your peace. So God, we pray for that peace upon this nation. Father, we pray that you renew our sense of hope, our hope for this land. Father, we pray that we come before you on our knees. We ask your forgiveness for the ways in which we've contributed to division, for the ways in which we've contributed to hate, to the ways in which we have contributed to anger and pride deceit, for the lust for power. Father, we pray for our nation's leaders right now. We pray, Lord, that you would guide them. We pray for our president. We pray, Lord, that you would guide him in your truth. And we pray for our incoming president. We pray that you would guide him in your truth because we know that our hope is not in anyone man or institution, Father, but it is in you, Lord Jesus. You are the one whom we serve and who is the author of our faith and, and of our hope. And so God, would you guide our nation's leaders this week? Would you guide our nation into a period of healing where there has become such deep, deep division? Bring peace, bring unity, and as Pastor Todd said, Lord, let us listen. Let us listen to one another, but let us all listen to your still, small voice inside of us. Let us be still and hear your words of truth and of grace, and Lord, especially of peace. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So as I've prepared this talk for you this morning, uh, the irony of my topic was not, not lost on me. This week has been an incredibly difficult week where we've found our nation in great divide and great turmoil, and personally went through many, many struggles, not the least of which was an injury with my husband just last night as I was wrapping this sermon up that led to the emergency room. He's okay. He's here. He's alive. 
but just one thing after another. And it's going to take, particularly for our country, it's going to take a great perseverance, great stamina, great endurance and patience and hope to heal this nation and to come together. And as I thought about all of these things this week, I couldn't help but at one point, just sort of look up at heaven and chuckle a little bit and go, all right, I get it. <laughs> I get it. I get what you're saying to me here, and I'm going to persevere. Uh, God is a God of irony. So as I think of the words grit and perseverance, the first thing that comes to my mind is an athlete. I just immediately, that's where I go. The determination that it takes to win and all of the effort and time and energy. And I never considered myself an athlete of any sort when I was growing up. I never played team sports. I never did after school sports. I did not run unless someone was chasing me. Like it was just not my thing. And so because I didn't do any of those things, I think I just never applied that term to myself. I look back on it now and I realize that was absurd. I was a dancer. I danced at my peak. I danced seven classes a week in high school uh, and, and just put so much time in. But because it wasn't the traditional sport, I never considered myself an athlete. I really don't love watching sports. And if you know me at all, you know that that's true. It's not my thing. I don't love it. But what I do love watching one of the things that has just captivated me my entire life from the time that I was a small child uh, is the Olympics. I am like a kid on Christmas Eve waiting for Santa as the Olympics approach. I get so excited to watch these competitions, to marvel at how these athletes just perform these superhuman feats. And my favorite is figure skating because, you know, it's the most like dance, but on ice. So it's my favorite thing to watch. So I would always look forward to, to figure skating. Figure skaters are just awe-inspiring to me. There's this blend of like toughness and fierceness about them, but also this grace and this beauty and this awe and agility of what they can do. Did you know that those aspiring to be Olympic figure skaters, they put in three to four hours of time on the ice and then another hour or two off the ice every day. Every day that's their schedule. On top of whatever other part of life they're living, they're putting in hours upon hours to hone their skills, to become that agile to the level at which they can perform at the Olympics. So what makes people like Scott Hamilton and Christy Yamaguchi and Tara Lipinski and Brian Boitano, you can tell what era I watched figure skating in, right? Okay. What makes them from all over, these athletes from all over the world put in that kind of effort to not quit, to not give up when so many others do? I mean, how many of us practice seven, eight hours a day on this one skill? Not many of us, I can see. Any of you at home, put it in the chat. If you're one of those people, type right in. Good for you. Well, Angela Duckworth, who is a noted psychologist, has done a lot of research into this area. She's looked at what is it that makes some people give it their all and not throw in the towel while others quit along the way? What causes some people 
to continue through life's challenges, to push through no matter what. Well, she's done a lot of research on that, and she calls this ability to keep on keeping on, she calls it grit. And in her book of the same name, Duckworth posits the idea that overcoming difficulty, overcoming roadblocks and challenges actually makes you stronger. It actually makes you more prepared for the trials that you have ahead of you. It makes you more ready to face the next thing. And guess what? It gives you the hope that you can do so, that you can overcome. It makes you more resilient. So I want you to think of it this way. I just started rowing. Like, and when I say just, guys, it's been, I don't know, a week, and I've done this maybe three times. So I've just started rowing. I've decided that I'm going to learn this new skill and that I am going to train my body, that I am going to get healthier. And I know that all of you out there, at some point or another, have very likely joined a gym. You've decided to learn a new instrument. You've decided to pick up a new skill. You've decided that you're going to do something to challenge yourself. For me right now, it's rowing. <laughs> and as I do this, as I've chosen to challenge my body, it takes resistance, if I want my body to grow, if I want my muscles to develop, it takes the work of resistance. And so I love the idea of getting in shape. I love the idea of becoming healthy. I love the idea of the end result. But do you know what I don't love? The process, <laughs> right? Okay, so I'm sitting here and when then another minute or two, you are gonna hear me start to labor in my breathing. You might even see me start to sweat. My muscles are beginning to fatigue. Ooh, and it's hard. It's hard work, and nobody likes hard work, really, if we admit to it. If I could skip to the end result and not do this kind of work over the next few weeks, I wouldn't do it. I would skip to the end result. But what happens if I persevere? If I persevere, my muscles get stronger. If I persevere, my stamina increases. If I persevere, my cardiovascular system starts to function better and I can breathe. And what once was really, really hard becomes much easier. Becomes much easier and as I commit to training, it becomes easier. And as it becomes easier, I recommit to training. And as I recommit to training, it becomes easier and easier. And in the end, I start to actually believe, yes, I can do this. I can actually do this. And so that's really the way it is for us in the life of faith too, isn't it? It takes some trial, it takes some trial and error. And it takes some real effort to get to a place where we believe, I can do this. It takes a little bit of resistance. You see, what the Apostle Paul said thousands of years ago, it still holds true today. 
Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, not only so, but we boast in the glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Suffering produces perseverance. Suffering <laughs> produces perseverance, which produces character, the ability to want to keep going on and keep moving forward, which produces hope. So whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally, or yes, even spiritually, as we persevere, as we overcome sufferings and difficulties and challenges, and we try new things, we develop grit and our hope is renewed. So today I wanna to talk to you about spiritual grit. And just as we include resistance and challenge into our physical training for our muscles to improve and for our bodies to become healthier, we have to do the same thing in our spiritual lives for spiritual grit to grow. It doesn't just happen. So my, my main point, my thing I want you to take away from today, developing spiritual grit gives us the resilience that we need over the long haul to develop faith and hope that last. In other words, if you want to build a resilient faith that lasts through chaos and change, don't quit, develop spiritual grit. Now I know that's cheesy, but you're all gonna remember that. I know you are, you're gonna remember that at home. Don't quit, develop spiritual grit. In his book, Spiritual Grit, Rick Lawrence pulls some of the wisdom of Duckworth's research into the context of the Christian life. Great read if you have time for it. And what he, like Duckworth, has to say can be a really tough pill to swallow, just like when the doctor tells you you need to get on the rowing machine. So my first observation to develop your spiritual grit I'm borrowing a point from Lawrence's book, and it's this. <clears throat> Hard equals good. Hard equals good. Spiritual gritty people do the hard work of embracing the principle that perseverance through challenges of life brings good things. Perseverance of challenges through life bring good things. Guess what? Jesus did really hard things. Really hard things. He endured 40 days of temptation in the wilderness where Satan himself tried to tempt him and pull him off of his mission. And Jesus persevered. He instructed, mentored, and enfolded the 12 disciples who were from all different walks of life and who by most accounts were mostly uneducated people not the type that you would have saw fit for this particular job. Surely there had to be other more qualified people, but Jesus chose them and he did that. He transformed these men. He gave of himself to the crowds so often for days at a time over the course of his three-year ministry at this unbelievably grueling pace. He showed great restraint and mercy 
to the one that he knew was about to betray him at the Last Supper. And instead of lashing out, he let him walk away. He prayed fervently in the Garden of Gethsemane, again, knowing what was about to come from him, praying that God would even take it away, but rather than running away when he could, he stayed and he faced it. He endured the torture and the humiliation of the cross. We know that he could have called on a legion of angels and, and the whole thing would have been over. He didn't have to go through it, but he did. He gave undeserved forgiveness in the face of undeserved betrayal by Peter who denied him and Thomas who later doubted that it was actually him who had returned. And he does the same for us. Jesus asked others to do hard things too. To the disciples, he said, leave the life you know, all of your security, all of your plans, everything that you had hoped for your future, leave it all behind, I have a different plan, and come with me. To Nicodemus, he said, give up your belief system, everything that you have believed to be true, step out of lockstep with your peers, and trust me instead. To the woman at the well, he said, look at your sin and your shame in its face. Face it and find freedom with living water. To the disciples, he said, trust me when I tell you that the cross is not the end, that you're gonna see horrible things, but it's not the end. And these things, they're incredibly difficult. And I think sometimes we have this tendency to read our Bibles and they become stories. They become stories like children's bedtime stories. And we're not in it. We don't see it like, like the reality that it was, that it happened. These things happened. These people went and endured these very difficult things. And the ones that trusted Jesus, the ones that followed through, with what he was asking of them. They found strength. They found faith. They found hope. The disciples got to witness countless miracles and they learned deep spiritual truths from the mouth of Jesus himself. Nicodemus discovered the path to salvation while his colleagues and friends completely missed the point. The woman at the well faced her shame and she found freedom that she'd never experienced before. She found hope and the source of living water. The disciples became the leaders of the Christian church that expanded and has flourished for over 2,000 years, this group of, of men who gave up everything and look at the impact that they now have even here today. Spiritual gritty people know that hard things lead to good things. Hard equals good. Spiritually gritty people do hard things and face challenge on purpose. Just like someone who's trying to build physical muscles adds resistance to the routine, like me on a rowing machine. Someone who's growing spiritual grit, a spiritually gritty person, knows that adding difficult things, adding challenge to their spiritual life 
is going to grow their faith. What is hard, what is the hard thing that Jesus has been asking you to do? Think about that. What is the hard thing Jesus has been asking you to do? It's time to change our thoughts and our perspectives on hard. It's time for us to stop saying, I can't, with our list of reasons, and start saying, I can. I can. To go back to figure skating for a moment, one of my heroes, Scott Hamilton, a couple years ago did an interview with the New York Times, and he told the reporter, I once calculated how many times it is I fell in my skating career. 41,600 times. But here's the funny thing. I got up 41,600 times. That's the muscle you have to build in your psyche, the one that reminds you to just get up. If Scott Hamilton had given in to fear, or he'd given in to failure, or the temptation, temptation to just take an easier path, he never would have experienced these other moments, the moments of greatness, the moments of standing on that podium, receiving those honors and those achievements. And don't we all want those moments in our life? Maybe not in front of a crowd of thousands, but whether it's between you and God or an accomplishment at work, don't we all want those moments? But often the truth is, is we're not willing to put in the effort that it takes to get there. We think things like, I'm not good enough. I don't have the time that it takes, or I don't have the natural ability for that, or someone else will do it, or even worse, we believe that really God, without us putting any effort in, God should just provide all of the answers and all of the solutions and all of the spiritual, emotional highs that we're seeking after without us putting in any effort, but yet we, of course, want him to be there when we need him. Make no mistake. Accomplishment like Scott Hamilton's or one of the heroes of the faith, it's not won by natural ability. It comes easily for no one. The road to achievement, whether it's personal, whether it's spiritual, it only comes to us when we embrace that hard things are good things for us and we purposefully seek them out in our spiritual lives. So what is the hard thing that God's been asking you to do? What resistance training can you be doing in your spiritual life so that you can complete that and become stronger so that you can experience the wins and the victories that lead to perseverance and character and hope? Is it reading your Bible and praying more often than you are now? It's pretty simple, just a little more often than you are now. Is it volunteering in a new area of the church or in the community that God's called you to, but it requires more of your time and effort? Is it leading your family in devotions or spiritual conversations? Is it showing grace and patience to those that get into your skin, especially on social media? Is it embracing a hard truth that the Holy Spirit has been trying to tell you, but you're just not wanting to hear it yet? Is it joining a small group? Each hard thing you choose to do and follow through on is going to build your spiritual grit. It's going to enable you to more confidently take on life's challenges. 
Hard equals good. Do hard things on purpose. Spiritually gritty people do the next right thing they know to do, even in the midst of doubt or darkness. Are you going through something unimaginably difficult right now? Does God feel distant? Are you questioning your faith? Have you been stuck in the place where the only question you can ask is why? Why me? If you're not there now, you've likely been there before. In times like the one in which we find ourselves now, those are incredibly natural and understandable questions to have. But let me tell you, they're not helpful ones. They don't solve anything. Often the challenges that we face when things are going well, when we're, when we're at a high in life, those are the challenges we've invited in. But when things feel most dark and overwhelming, that's usually when we're facing uninvited adversity. Failure on a test that you studied and gave your all for, a family member who's died, a job that's been lost, the inability to conceive a baby that is so desperately wanted. Dreams that were dashed because your college hopes didn't quite work out the way that you wanted them to. A boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife who's cheated on you. Or having coronavirus steal away your senior year of high school. In these cases, hard things, they're really genuinely hard to reconcile how they can be good for us, right? It doesn't feel good. In the face of real tragedy and real pain, it's not quite the same as choosing to take an AP class instead of a college prep class. It's not the same as choosing to put yourself into a new exercise routine. It's not the same as choosing to take on a difficult project at work because you want to build your grit. Those are admirable things, but those are admirable things that we, we choose. What about the hard things that we don't invite in? What does a spiritual gritty person do with those things? Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. Now I want to say I know that that verse can be really sorely overused. And I know that in the past you may have experienced some exceptionally well-meaning people, but who very tritely said with this verse, essentially, here, let me put a Band-Aid on your wide gaping wound that is needing surgery, right? And I don't want to use that verse in this way, but I also don't want to minimize the truth that the Apostle Paul is speaking in this scripture to us. Believing somehow that these words can be true in your darkest moments, in your greatest times of doubt will require great humility. It will require great strength. And it will require all of the hope that you have saved up from all those other things that you've built with your spiritual grit. As we build spiritual grit, we build hope. And in those times of great darkness, we're going to need to pull on those reserves And so a spiritually gritty person, when faced with difficulty and doubt and darkness, clings to those words 
that God is still good. And when you feel like you can't do anything else, that you don't have any more to give, just do the next right thing. And then the next. And then the next. Until it becomes easier again to exercise those spiritual muscles. And you're moving through the darkness. And hope is abounding in your hearts again. Hard equals good. Do hard things on purpose. Do the next right thing. Spiritually gritty people face their fears, not run from them. Like Jesus fervently praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before he was arrested, he prayed that God would make it possible for him to not have to go through this very honest, beautiful, genuine display of Christ's humanity there in the garden. And he prayed this. He didn't want to go through what was coming, but he stayed. He faced his fear with courage and with strength. Spiritually gritty people face their fears with courage and strength also. Why? 2 Timothy 1.7, because God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Because I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength, Philippians 4.13. Because in the words of the Apostle Paul, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because Jesus, the one who faced and suffered more greatly than any of us, said this. He said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I overcome the world. And because we're called to be like Jesus is the ultimate example of facing fear with courage. And because we are to be like those who've gone before us in faith. Because gritty people are courageous people. Hard equals good. Do hard things on purpose. Do the next right thing and face your fear. And last, gritty people do all these things over and over again. They stick to goals and through challenges over the long haul. Like an athlete developing their skill must return to training consistently over the course of time, so must we develop a faith that lasts. Each of these steps that we've laid out to grow lasting faith and hope, they're going to have to be repeated and repeated and repeated over and over and over again. It's a cycle. We're always growing. And when we stop growing, when we stop growing physically, when we stop working out, what happens? Our muscles, they atrophy. So is the same with our faith. So if you wanna develop a faith that lasts, hard equals good. Do hard things on purpose. Do the next right thing. 
face your fear, and then do it again. Developing spiritual grit gives us the resilience that we need over the long haul to develop faith and hope that lasts. Don't quit. Develop spiritual grit. And remember Romans 5. Suffering, going through hard things, produces perseverance, which produces character, which produces hope. And as one translation puts it, hope does not disappoint. I hope you'll join me in the long haul of pursuing spiritual grit. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you give us our Holy Spirit to walk with us on this journey. That as we do hard things, as we accept challenges in life, whether we choose them or they just appear, Father, that you have never left us alone, that we are walking side by side with your Holy Spirit in this journey. And we thank you for that strength and that encouragement, Lord. I pray that you be with this congregation this week. I pray that you give them the hearts of peacemakers. I pray that you fill them with all hope. And God, I pray that you give them the endurance that they need to carry on in this journey of developing spiritual grit. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.